Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the future of the NFL is almost here. We wrap up our discussion here with picks number seven, eight, nine, and ten. The Kansas City Chiefs make a major move to upgrade the unit that plagued them in the Super Bowl. Ding, ding, ding. Some fight night action from UFC 261. The NBA play-in tournament is back this year. How does it work, and who will be playing in it? Put on your sun hats and grab your mint juleps. The 147th annual Kentucky Derby is happening this weekend at Churchill Downs. And finally, we wrap up with the Blazing Bets of the Week. With that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here again on lovely Wednesday night in Delaware, Ohio. We're uh, coming at you live. We're down a man again this week. Braden's got track and uh, basketball tonight, but... Uh, we're going to have to change our logo. Instead of four sports stands, we're going to have to drop it down to three sports stands. Three but, amigos. <laughs> yeah, we'll get him back in the studio here soon. But, um, yeah, like Colton said, we're going to start out with some uh, our NFL, wrap up our NFL drafts. That is tomorrow in Cleveland, the first rounds tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Um, so I think before we get into seven, eight, nine, and ten, let's kind of review those top six because there's been maybe some changes, a little bit of movement. There was some trades going on. and talk of potential trades obviously urban's still taking trevor lawrence at number one i don't think anybody's disputing that but now what i what i saw today um was uh the jets taking zach wilson at number two we were all kind of thinking that yep san francisco mac jones at number three uh the dirty birds out of atlanta taking a tight end uh kyle pitts I heard even today that uh, Atlanta's really working the phones to get trade that that pick. So, well, hey, the Cowboys are really interested in Kyle Pitts. They yeah, said. they could they could use a franchise. Yeah, I, I I've, I've heard back and forth things with that because uh, Jerry Jones has said that they're not willing to give away that much to move up to get to get him. They're not right. willing to give up a lot to to get him. So if he's still there at ten, they're happy to draft him. But I don't think he's gonna be. He's not so, gonna be there. But, no. uh, yeah, I've heard you know Atlanta's taking calls from all all teams to right. you know move you have a team move up so right. no well you know how dallas now jerry jones loves his tight end you know jason witten had a hall, hall of fame, fame career there in dallas right, so right. i mean it wouldn't surprise me it might be a it might be a stunt i think dallas is really interested in kyle pitts we'll see what uh what they got to do to, to uh, move up there and then last week we talked about the Bengals taking a um offensive tackle to help uh you know keep joe burrow on his feet but now um they said he would really like to play with his former teammate uh jamar chase so yeah that's look, actually the pick i had last week was him, him teaming up with his former teammate yeah right, so so that's that's now a possibility that maybe is coming coming to fruition um so if that doesn't happen i mean if that does happen then got the dolphins if they want a wide receiver and we always, and we all thought last week that it might be Devonte Smith, but now Waddle, a lot of Alabama's kind of moved into maybe that number six spot. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. So that's kind of a rundown as of right now. It's changing it's by changing, the second. Yeah, changing by the second. It always does this time of year. Right. There was a big trade that came across the wire, like right at two o'clock this afternoon. The um, the uh, Bridgewater from the Jets to the Denver Broncos. The Panthers to the, to or, the yeah, the Panthers to the to the uh, Broncos. So, um, so we'll see. You know, if that changes anybody's 
So I'm thinking, you know, the Jets got they they're are they thinking Sam Darnold's their guy? Panthers, Panthers. Are, yeah, Panthers yeah I'm Darnold. getting all messed up. <laughs> are are they are they thinking that, you know, so what are they gonna do? You know, are they still gonna fall in line with what were they th- what everybody thinks they were gonna do? So it, so who we got? We got the Lions at number seven. And uh, there's been talk of some trade there. Yeah. Um, that maybe New England was trying to work a trade to move up to the seventh spot. Uh, I think they're interested in a quarterback. Um, and, you know, that might be a possibility. I think the Lions think that they have their quarterback of the future in, in Jared Goff. So, uh, you know, they may, they may take the offensive tackle, that Penay Sewell, or um, there was another big one. Oh, Rashawn Slater is another big name yeah. up there on the offensive line. So tell me what you guys think. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, like like Dad said, uh, QB, you know, Jared Goff comes over in the trade between, you know, Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff between the Rams and the Lions. So I think, uh, you know, Goff needs a weapon to throw to. They actually lost their two best receivers in free agency, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. They mm-hmm. both leave in free agency. Right. So you're left with not a whole lot. I mean, you got a decent tight end in TJ Hawkinson, uh, which was uh, a draft pick a couple years ago. It's, uh, you know, a decent tight end to throw to, big target. But uh, outside of that, I mean, they brought in a few more um, free agents. Uh, just kind of picked them up. Uh, Brashad Perriman, they picked him up from the Jets as a free agent. They uh, have uh, Quintez Cephas on the on the roster. But, you know, there's not a lot of big names that you've heard of that have produced, you know, so far. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. I think they, they bring in a new head coach in Dan Campbell in right. Detroit. So it's a new, new era there in, new in regime. Detroit. Yep. He actually was a former tight end in the NFL. So, you know, if Kyle Pitts maybe dropped a little bit further, you could see the connection there that, you know, former tight end wants another tight end, but I just don't think Pitts is going to drop that far. Right. Um, but based on all that information, I think here, Devonte Smith goes off, off the board. Um, they keep, you know, complaining or keep saying, you know, Six foot, 170 pounds. He does not the prototypical big type of wide receiver. One hit, he's done. But I don't know. The guy just the guy loves football. The guy wants to compete. The guy wants to play in the NFL. He's come out several times and said, "Hey, I don't care what my size is. Just get me the ball, and I'm gonna be in that end zone." I'm gonna make so, play happen. Yeah. So. I like a guy like that on my team any day of the week that just wants to go out there and win. So, so you're like, thinking they're going to take an offensive weapon at number seven. Then, yeah, yeah. Whether it be Kyle Pitts if he's still on the board right, or right, so a, a, a wide receiver of some sort. Like I said, I, I based on my you know earlier picks, Devontae Smith is the only one that's left for me. So right, right. I think it goes. You know, I, I don't know. Jalen Waddle just scares me a little bit coming off that major injury. Mm-hmm. Didn't see a whole lot of action you know this past year uh, i'm a little bit of hesitant on that so i'm, I'm taking what's give what what's proven you know Devonte smith is has proven he's a playmaker Put up some great numbers so Put up i some think great numbers. uh you know that that's why i'm taking him over water yeah we talked about him you know last week uh 117 receptions 1856 yards 23 tds i mean you know the guy the guy puts up big numbers matt what do you think about the Lions pick at number seven. Yep, I, I looked at this a lot like Colton Page. I, I think they, they need a, a wide receiver to go with their now new franchise quarterback in Jared Goff. You know, he's shown in the past if he's had some weapons, he can be a pretty darn good quarterback. So for me, I already have uh, Smith off the board, so I, I think it would be Jalen Waddle here being the next best wide receiver on the board. So okay. I think that's the pick out of Alabama. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
I like it. Um, I, I, I'm going to lean more. I think they're going to take an offensive lineman. Yeah, I do. I'm going to stick with, I'm going to stick with Sewell if he's not already gone. And if he's gone, then they'll take Rashawn Slater. Um, if, and if they don't trade, cause right. there's been some talk of trading that number seven pick. So, mm-hmm. all right, we got, uh, the Panthers at number eight. Um, what, what you got for their pick at number eight, Matt? Yeah, looking looking at the Panthers, I think their biggest need is their offensive tackle. So I, I think here is finally where we see Sewell come off the board. Um, you know, I, I know they just traded their their quarterback today, but I I, I do think they're going to ride with uh, with uh, Darnold that they just traded for. I think that's that's what they're looking to do. So I don't think they go quarterback here. I think they uh, get get the line a little better because they do have some weapons on that offense to. to distribute the ball too so if they can give give the quarterback some time okay i think they can have something something going there i mean you know sam darnold didn't shine in new york but let's face it he didn't have a lot of help didn't have a lot of weapons so maybe you put him in the right position uh, with the right people around him he might uh you know he might come out and uh show some improvement yeah yeah no i think uh you know i'm on board here with matt i don't I already have Swell coming off the board to Cincinnati, so for me, it's it's Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern, six foot four, three hundred and four pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy is just an animal. Right. Uh, from what I was reading about him, he's got those nice kind of short arms that you kind of need for like an offensive lineman. You know, he, short, powerful arms right. to stay inside. Right, right, and uh, you know, doesn't get overextended with those arms, and just you know, can can block real, real well for him. So, you know, I. Based on the trade today, you know, Teddy Bridgewater goes to Denver, mm-hmm. you know, Carolina ships him out. That, that to me, makes it sound like Carolina's putting all their eggs in one basket with, with Darnold. They're, you know, bringing him in. They traded, you know, three picks, and they already picked up his fifth-year option, which is worth like $18 million. Right. So, for me, they, they're already saying – we're, we're going to go at least a year with, with Darnold and, uh, you know, see what, see what happens. And like Dad said, in New York – Problem was he didn't have a lot of weapons, but the offensive line wasn't good either. He didn't have a lot of protection. Yeah, he had two so, strikes against him coming off coming in a game. Yeah, I think uh, you know Carolina addresses that. They get Rashawn Slater. They lost one of their you know better offensive tackles, Russell Okong, in free agency. I think they go yeah Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Um, take him, and, and they're they're happy with their pick. Okay, um, I like that pick, uh, Rashawn Slater. However, if he's not there for some reason, both of offensive tackles are gone. They said they could use some help at corner at cornerback. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech yep. was one that uh, was talked about. Patrick Sertan mm-hmm. um, out of Alabama. Um, but I still like the O line. There was one like kind of a dark horse that was thrown in there that they take a quarterback and Sam Darnold would be one year and done. Mm-hmm. They take you know take take a quarterback, use Darnold to get him through one year to mentor this, you know, get this kid up to NFL speed. Maybe, uh, you know, if, if Justin Fields still on the board, but I, 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 I think that's a long shot. I yeah. like, I like help on the offensive line. Yeah. For I think that if, team. if you're going to do that, I think you keep the other quarterback. I don't think you make the move for Darnold. Or, right. Right. I, I think he's a good enough stopgap quarterback. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. No, I, think I agree. The, yeah. The, the only knock then on, on Farley, uh, Nick Farley or, uh, Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, the corner. Um, I'm reading a lot of reports that uh, teams are kind of steering away from him. He's uh, coming off of a couple of major back surgeries. Mm. Um, and so teams are kind of hesitant on that. Um, you know, what's that kind of look like? You know, is he healthy or not? So I'm hearing that he's, his name is dropping, maybe not even in the first round. Wow. Um, so 
you know, that's that's kind of a knock on him. But uh, this this pick here, also hearing rumors, New England trading, right. trading in. Yeah. Like like yep. Dad yep. said, if Fields is sitting there, I think New England pulls the trigger. You know, if, if he drops to number eight and New England is able to, to jump up there, I think uh, you see New England, you know, pick up pick up a quarterback. They obviously re-signed Cam Newton to another year. So, one year. You know, one-year yeah. deal. So, right. you know, he's they're not tied down to anybody and, Belichick knows, you know, knows what he's doing. He's he's no dummy when it comes to this draft. So, right. uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what what happens on on draft night. And, and I'm hearing that Carolina and New England already have the groundwork of a trade already kind of laid out. So they already kind of have something in the works. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of finalizing the details. So we'll see we'll see what happens. All right, very good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I there's some things that you know how. Uh, Justin Fields has kind of dropped a little bit. You know, when we first started talking draft, we thought he might be in the top five. It seems like his stock's dropping a little bit. But it might might not work out too bad for him because right. if they don't make the trade and he's still there at 15, I know New England will take him at 15 mm-hmm. if they don't trade up to get him. Right. I, I don't expect him to be there at 15. I think somebody else will take him. But yeah. um, So... Yeah, we'll just see. Like I said, that that trade happened at two o'clock today. So this this is like a moving target we're trying to hit here. So, <laughs> right, so, right. So um, but you know there there could be a chance that that Trey Lance comes off the board there too mm-hmm, at, at number nine to Denver. So if they're not convinced that Bridgewater can get the job done, so yeah, yeah absolutely. So maybe hedging their bets a little bit. All right, number ten, Matt's team, the Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Did they skip over nine? Yeah, nine. We go oh, to I'm Denver. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, we started talking yeah. about Denver. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we, we just made a lot of sense, though. I think Denver, even though they just traded for Bridgewater, I think Bridgewater is just a one-year stopgap. He hasn't been the long-term guy anywhere in the NFL. He's been a journeyman. I think he stays that way. I think Denver still goes after a quarterback here. So on, on my draft board, I already had Fields coming off to uh, San Francisco. So I think Denver is actually going to go with the Trey Lance. Trey here. Lance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Possibility. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think uh, yeah, QB is definitely a possibility. Uh, even with Bridgewater, uh, you know they drafted Drew Locke two three years ago. He really hasn't panned out for them. Um, you know they've ever since Peyton Manning retired from the Broncos, it's been a revolving door of quarterbacks there in Denver. Uh, I think John Elway's patiently waiting, trying to you know almost anxious to get his next franchise QB. But how could such a good quarterback be such a bad? <laughs> judge of right, right. Um, but I still look at Michael Jordan and Charlotte. That's right. I, I don't. I still don't think that they find the QB that they're they're looking for here. I think they actually address the defense. Um, you know, Von Miller, who used to be one of the most dominant linebackers slash edge rushers in the league, has really fallen off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Injuries have plagued him a lot, mm-hmm. and has just not been the same player here here recently. So I think they go after somebody that can kind of either replace that production or kind of complement a little bit of that production. I think they go with uh, the linebacker out of Penn State, Micah Parsons, mm. six foot three, 246 pounds. The only knock that I've seen on him is not great in coverage. And that's, you know, that's not good in today's NFL, NFL because right. a lot of times linebackers are matching up with those tight ends or matching up right. with the running backs out of the backfield. So that's definitely something he's going to have to work on. But at the same time, I think it's an edge rusher, a tackler, He's a sure thing, um, you know, didn't play this past year due to COVID stuff at Penn State. So there's a little bit of a concern there. But the previous year, five sacks, 109 tackles for Penn wow. State. So 
he's kind of a you know back and forth sideline yeah sideline to sideline kind of guy so i think uh denver addresses the defense goes after micah parsons if here. they're uh um edge rusher any talk of quitty pay out of michigan going there i mean i i've seen some stuff that uh yeah he he could be going as high as you know in the top 10 you know whatever potentially there i don't know me personally his past year i didn't see enough i, I didn't either. see enough I agree. a lot of what i'm seeing with him is early second right so, right yeah, so i think, I think it's safer bet. I, yeah i i think for me yeah late first early early second round for him but i, I like to say a lot of the draft boards i'm seeing it it is potentially high first mm-hmm. round mm-hmm. or you know mid first round which to me is a little bit surprising because i didn't see enough at least from this past year it, it, it kind of seemed he declined in, in my opinion yeah. so yeah I agree. All right, now let's get to the Cowboys, Matt. What you got for them at number ten? Yeah, I think looking at the Cowboys, you know they've got, they've already got that stacked offense, so I, I think they're pretty pretty good in the offensive group. Uh, I think really their biggest needs right now are cornerback, linebacker, safety, and you know, definitely throw in a tight end there as well. So, like you said, if the, if that tight end's still there, absolutely they take him. He's gone though, in my opinion. He's yeah, and Kyle Pitts won't be there at number so, ten. So I think they go cornerback here and. You know, to me, if you're drafting somebody, you can't go wrong with drafting somebody out of Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson, something like that. So I think they go the cornerback out of Alabama, take Patrick Sertain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's I agree. I agree with that. Um, you know, after um, last year they drafted the rookie cornerback, Trevon Diggs, he struggled a little bit in coverage, um, mm-hmm. gave up five touchdowns, um, which doesn't seem like a lot, but by himself, five touchdowns is, you know, quite a bit. You know, kind of some promising numbers, though. He did only allow about 50% completion rate, but gave up a lot of scores. So, um, and last year, Cowboys ranked 28th in team defense mm. towards very, very bottom. So, well, you know, the only the big de- the difference in that defense last year was Byron Jones was off the roster. That, losing that cornerback really hurt the yeah. Cowboys a lot. So, I think if they can finally replace Yeah, that, I think they find somebody to, to complement what yeah. they have on the roster. I agree, Patrick Sertan, you know, Alabama always seems to have, you know, some decent corners and uh, athletes. Yeah, athletes that can match up well in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So I like uh, Patrick Sertan, six foot two, two hundred and eight pounds for a corner. So yeah. I I the other name I heard in this quarterback too was or a cornerback was uh, JC Horn out of South Carolina. Yeah. Um, that uh, was another name that was thrown out there as a you know, one of the top cornerbacks in the draft. I still look my opinion, I think Jerry Jones gonna work some magic. I think he wants I want think he wants Kyle Pitts in a bad way, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. It's going to be interesting come tomorrow. Yeah. Um, did we talk enough, or I know we touched on it, the Chiefs trading for Orlando Brown this week, get some uh, Colton touched on it a little bit. Um, they And they really didn't give up much to get him, I didn't feel. They dropped from their 35th, 31st pick down to 58, so they only dropped, you know, 20 some spots to pick up a two time pro bowler mm-hmm. um, from the Ravens. You know, he's the third round pick for Baltimore in 2018. And, you know, in Kansas City's cut two of their starting tackles from last year due to injuries and to clear some uh, salary cap space. So I think this was a great move for the Chiefs. I, you know, you get a young offensive, a proven offensive lineman like uh, Orlando Brown. I really think this was a good move for KC. Absolutely. You only give up one first rounder to get a potential, I mean, not even potential. He'll be a franchise left tackle for the Chiefs, uh, you know, as long as he can stay in Kansas City. But obviously, you know, we hinted at it at the beginning of the show. That was the biggest weakness in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. It was apparent. I mean, the 
Tampa Bay blitzed the heck out of them. I uh, mean, you know, got a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and that was kind of the downfall for the Chiefs. So they address a need without giving up too much. Um, but I also think that the Ravens, you know, they got a decent return in the same, you know, the same uh, same stance there. So they get, you know, four pick, three three picks this year, and then another pick next year. Um, and I, and I think it's it's good for them because it's no secret Orlando Brown wanted out of Baltimore. Yeah, he, he made was, it clear. Well, it wasn't even really he wanted out. He, he just, didn't want to be a right tackle. Right, he wanted, he wanted to be, be left the left franchise left tackle. And, and the Ravens, yeah, the, the Ravens job. already already have a, a really good left tackle, so they just you know didn't have the space for him. They get mm-hmm. at least something for him yep. before he leaves in free agency, which I think is good for a team. You know, a lot of teams they struggle to do that. They let a disgruntled guy or they let a guy right, walk and they get nothing. Yep. And so I think, uh, you know, at the same time, good move for both teams. Like right. You're saying. And uh, I'm also hearing that the Ravens are rumored to be signed, signing, you know, former Steelers uh, right tackle Alejandro Villanueva yep. to replace him. So, um, so that's, you know, I think it's going to work out for both teams um, really well. Um, but obviously I think Kansas city, it's the most benefit at the moment because that was a huge weakness for them in the Super Bowl. And, they, so. and they've really reshaped that line this offseason. This wasn't the only move they made. They also uh, signed uh, right – let's see, what else did they get? They got themselves a left guard, Joe Tooney, uh, yeah. out of New England. They got themselves a center, Austin Bly, out of Los Angeles Rams. Uh, right tackle slash right guard, Kyle Long. He's retired last season, but he's coming back. He was in the Chicago Bears. And then they also have two guys returning that didn't play last season because – COVID concerns and, and right tackle Luke, Lucas Niang and right guard uh, Lawrence Duverney. So, uh, you know, really reshaping that offensive line. It's got to push them right back to the top to uh, back be uh, right back in the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Good for them. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. All right. Is that it for the NFL? It's going to be exciting tomorrow, folks. If you can tune into that draft and watch that, I think ESPN's broadcasting it live, um, at least the first round tomorrow. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. You'll just have to check scheduling, but um, it's 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 going to be exciting draft. There's a lot of movement that's going to happen yet today and tonight, and maybe even before the draft tomorrow. So you know, it's a it's a moving target. Keep your eye on it. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the NBA. Uh, we're going to kind of Colton's going to kind of explain the um the the play-in tournament that they're doing. They started it last year because of the abbre- abbreviated season. And they brought it back in part this year. It's a little bit different. Um, Colton, tell me what you got. Yeah. So as Dad said, this was uh, something that the NBA kind of first tested last year in the in the Disney bubble. Um, it's kind of a way for the last, you know, to see who gets the last two seeds, both in the East and the West. So that seven and eight seed in, in the West. Um, and if you remember last year, they rolled it out. It was a three game series between the Trailblazers and the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies wind up winning. They they won the first game, so they didn't have to go to you know game three or any game two, game three, anything like that. So the Blazers won that game. They get into the playoffs as the eight seed. Um, so then after that, after last season's over in November, uh, NBA Board of Governors voted unanimously to bring bring this back for a, on a one year kind of basis to trial it again. But then they revamped it a little bit. Um, and, you know, you might be asking, well, why is the NBA doing this? What's the whole purpose of this play-in tournament? It seems a little silly to have a tournament before the tournament. Um, and to me, it seems like they're they're doing it to try to discourage the teams towards the end of the season that don't think that they're going to have a chance to make the playoffs, so they just kind of tank to get a better spot in the NBA draft lottery. So 
I think it's to yeah, kind of keep teams interested a little bit longer in the season than than what they have um, in the past. So that that's kind of how why why I think why the NBA is bringing it bringing it back this year. Um, and kind of the timeline here. Um, so the NBA regular season ends May 16th. So we got maybe two three weeks left of the regular mm-hmm. season. Right. This play-in tournament then starts two days later, May 18th. The play-in tournament will, will end May 21st. So in three days, you'll know who's who's in the playoffs, who's not. And then, like I said, the next after May 21st, the very first round of the playoff, actual NBA playoffs start May 22nd. So, you know, it's all going to move pretty quickly. Um, it's yeah, kind of a almost kind of like a March Madness kind of kind of deal uh, where teams are going to be playing, you know, back to back kind of thing. So. But here's how here's how it works. Um, you got six total games, three in the East, three in the West, and you got eight teams involved, like four teams in the East, four teams in the West. So the teams that finish one through six in the East and the West automatically got a got a spot in in the actual you know playoffs. Teams seven through ten will enter this play-in tournament, and uh, since you know COVID's kind of a kind of still a thing this year, you're you know the how teams are seeded seven through 10 is not based on your number of wins. It's actually based on your winning percentage because, because of COVID teams may not play the same number of games. So it's based on winning percentage. Um, and then obviously any team worse than 10th is automatically in the NBA draft lottery to get, you know, a high draft pick for next year. So only the teams seven through 10, both in the East and the West are involved here. So how, how the games work, you got game one, where number seven in the standings play number eight in the standings. Um, and whoever wins that game is automatically the number seven seed they're in the playoffs. They're done. They're, they're in, in the, the playoffs. They're the, they're and they're, the they're the number seven seed playing the number two seed in the actual playoffs. And the loser of that game gets another shot to make the playoffs in, in game three. Game two is number nine in the standings versus number 10 in the standings. Winner of that moves on to game three. The loser of that automatically out of the playoffs goes into the NBA draft lottery to see what pick they get for the draft. So then if, you know, game three is the loser of that 7-8 game versus, you know, the loser of the 9-10. And whoever obviously wins that game is the number eight seed in the playoffs. They make it into the playoffs. Loser goes into the NBA draft lottery. So you might be asking yourself, well, who are the teams that are playing that are, you know, current in the stand if the playoffs were to start today or this play in tournament was to start today, who are the teams that are that are playing? So it looks like the West is pretty well set here. Yeah. 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 So, so there might be a difference between so six and seven. Seven, seven and eight are gonna play each other, and the winner of that game is in at number seven seed. The loser plays the winner of the nine ten game. Yeah. And that whoever wins that game is the number eight gets seed. the final spot in right the so for for their troubles of winning they get to play the number one seed right right, in the right. and again these are a one and done it's one game kind of like you know march madness that we all love so much so i'm kind of excited i think it's a good thing um it's only like colton said it's only you know six more games um so uh, and, and this this season is shortened by ten games anyway, so right. you know you're gonna you're basically back to playing almost your full schedule. So I'm kind of excited for it. See how it works out. We'll see. Cole's gonna give us a rundown of what teams would be in it right now, and we'll we'll see what kind of matchups we're gonna get. Yeah. So currently in the Eastern Conference, we got the number seven seed, which is the Miami Heat, but it could be another team because they're actually tied with the Celtics for number six. So. 
could be a swap right now. You know, Celtics or the Heat. The Celtics or the Heat. I, I think right now the Celtics may have have it because of a tiebreaker, I believe. So okay. um, they actually are six in the standings because they've beaten Miami more times in the regular season. But regardless, they're going to be playing, you know, potentially playing number eight, the Charlotte Hornets, who we've kind of touched about, you know, after LaMelo Ball, you know, went down, what was going to happen to them. But, you know, they're still a playoff team, and there's rumors that LaMelo may be coming back. So that could give them a little boost before the playoffs. Um, and then you got number nine seed, the Indiana Pacers, versus the number 10 seed, Washington Wizards. What a surprise. Yeah, there. and we, we've yeah. talked about the Wizards off and on, about how terrible they've been they and how awful. how bad we feel for Bradley Beal. And, you know, he's putting up astronomical numbers, but somehow they're – could possibly be playing in the playoffs, could, you know, get a chance to play in the real NBA playoffs. But, you know, in the East, then you also have in contention a number 11 seed right now, the Bulls, only one game behind the Wizards. Then you got the 12 seed, the Toronto Raptors. How the mighty have fallen there. Wow. They're a game and a half back from the Wizards as of now. I think they're everybody's most disappointing team. Right, right. They really have have taken a, a, a fall there. But, uh, the Western Conference is a little bit more solidified. Um, right now, you got a rematch, actually, from last year's play-in tournament, number seven seed Portland Trailblazers versus the eight seed Memphis Grizzlies. So see what happens happens there. Um, and then you got the number nine seed San Antonio Spurs versus the number 10 seed Golden State Warriors. And, you know, those are two teams that we're used to talking about, you know, being number the top, one and number two. Yeah, being the yeah. top, you know, couple seeds in the Western yeah. Conference. And now they're almost the bottom two, not even in the playoffs yet. And, and like I said, the West is a little bit more solidified. There's there's a couple of teams that may have a chance. You got the number 11 seed, the Pelicans, but they're three and a half games behind the Warriors. Um, and then you got the 12 seed Sacramento Kings, which are five and a half games behind the Warriors. Okay. So, you know, I think it's pretty well split there. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, think the only move that may be Dallas dropping to seven, Portland moving up to six. Right, yeah. I mean, I think that seven, six in both the East and the West yeah. could kind of, you know, come down to the final days. Um, but, uh, you know, in the West, it's, it's pretty solidified. The four teams that are there now more than likely going to be the four teams in the West that are going to be So if it plays out like this in the West, I, I think I would take – Portland and Golden State is my two to make it in. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, uh, it just depends on which Golden State team shows up. I mean, yeah. there's there's nights where Golden State they look like a the good, team of a, old, a good right. team. Okay. And then Curry, Curry's back though. You know, he's he's playing like right. out of his mind right now. The, the and then you but then at the Warriors that showed up, you know, a couple nights ago at halftime they had 29 points, <laughs> 29 points in an NBA game. I mean. That's unbelievable. So, I, really, I think it just depends on which Warriors team is going to show up. And in that, you know, one game kind of scenario, I mean, anything can happen at that right. point. So, it's about, yeah, which which players can get hot and which team can get hot at the right time. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of a rundown of how, how the play-in tournament is going to work there. Yeah, I think in the East, I would I'd probably take Miami and Washington as my two Washington Probably about the hottest team in basketball. Yeah, right I mean, Heat go from you know runners up last year NBA Finals and fighting now, for their lives, fighting for their lives here yeah. in, the, in the NBA playoffs. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. <clears throat> All right, well let's do Colton. I know you uh, watched the UFC fight this weekend, the fights UFC fights this weekend. Give us a little quick rundown on that before we get into our derby talk. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't have a whole lot of time here, so I won't spend too much time. Uh, you know, was this past this past Saturday, um, UFC 261, um, Usman versus Masvidal. This is actually the second time they fought each other. 
Um, so I'm just going to kind of run down the, uh, there was actually three championship fights um, between uh, actually two women championship fights. And then the big main event, you know, between Usman and, and Masvidal. Um, so then, you know, in the women's uh, flyweight uh, championship fight, we had a hundred and between 115, 125 pound, uh, two, two women going, going at it. Um, you had Shevinenko versus Jessica Androv. Um, Shevinenko 21 and three, uh, Androv coming in at 21 and nine. Um, Shevinenko awesome. just, I mean, destroy. I mean, she's been on a, on a tear. I mean, her toughest competition has only been Amanda Nunes and Nunes has actually beat her, beat her twice. So, Really, at this point, the only person that makes sense to fight again would be fight, you know, Amanda Nunez again. But Nunez is just—I mean, she's a whole new, a whole another level above the rest of the women in that in that division. So I don't even know if Shevchenko can 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 give her a fight. But I mean, she's been her toughest fight, you know, over her past I don't know 15, 20 fights. Uh, this the the Russian assassin they like to call her um, is the only one that's really given Nunez a, a run for her money. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But then, in the women's strawweight championship fight, uh, 106 to 115 pounds, you had uh, Wiley Zhang coming in 21 and two. Had had uh, you know won 21 straight fights coming wow. into this. Um, and actually, her only loss wasn't even in the UFC. It was in a, a different league before before coming to the UFC. So she was actually technically undefeated before right. coming into this fight. She goes up against Rose Namajunas. At eleven and four, and uh, gets gets beat, gets knocked wow. knocked out. A kick to the head in the uh, in the first round, kind of a surprising kick that kind of caught her, kind of kind of caught her off guard. Um, you know, and that's all it took. Like one, one kick to the one head, second. one kick to the head. She went down like a sack of potatoes. Rose jumped on her, you know, just pounded her with her fist. And I mean, you could clearly see she she was done. I mean, the she tried, on, but nobody was she, home. She tried to stand right back up after that, and she was stumbling all around. I mean, she didn't even know what planet she was on. So you know, hats off to Rose. Um, she actually took took the belt back. She actually had that belt, lost it, worked her way back, and actually you know got the belt back. So you know, hats off hats off to her. But then the big the big main event was the men's welterweight championship fight. That's uh, 156 to 170 pounds. And that was between Usman and Jorge Masvidal. Usman 19 and one. Masvidal kind of a journeyman, 35 and 15. So um, he comes in, gets knocked out in the second round. Uh, Usman lands a, a big punch, hits him right in, across the jaw. He goes down. It, it it's over. Uh, How right, the guy with 15 losses get into the discussion for a championship? At round? this point, that that division that just there's no there's no fighters. There's yeah. no there's no there's no competition really in that in that division. Um, huh. And like I said, this is the, actually the second time that Masvidal fought Usman. Both both times have been the same, same result. result. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, you know, who, who can dethrone the Nigerian, you know, the Nigerian king there in, in Usman? Um, and the, he, it, the toughest fight he's had in his 19 and one, you know, start has been uh, Colby Covington, the, the guy out of the U.S. here. Um, he took uh, took him to a fifth round, took him to the fifth round, final round. Usman wind up uh, TKO in him, but that's been his longest fight so far in his, in his you know, his career. But uh, Usman is just I mean, he's on a whole new level. He's a, he's a bad man. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I don't know if anybody's going to really be able to be able to challenge him in that, in that division. And as far as Masvidal goes, I heard some comments that he, he wants to keep fighting, even though he's a little bit older and has fought almost 50 times. Now 
He wants mm. to keep fighting and try to get that elusive belt. He wants to win that belt. And wow. I just, I don't know. The Usman just seems on a whole new level. So right. it'll be interesting to see. So, all right. Well, that's all we got from the US, UFC. So we're going to wrap it up. First, we're going to go over uh, some history and some facts on the Kentucky Derby. And then we're going to do our blazing bets on the Derby this year or this week. Our blazing bets of the week will be all uh, Kentucky Derby picks. So, Matt, you want to get us started with some some interesting facts on the Kentucky Derby? Yeah, this year will be the 147th consecutive running of the of the, the Kentucky Derby, and that's one of the longest running sporting events in, in the U.S. Uh, the, the event's called dubbed the Run for the Roses due to the uh, winning horse getting a, a blanket of roses draped over it after it wins. Mm-hmm. It's also dubbed the most exciting two minutes in sports and the fastest two minute in sports. It's got a purse of three million dollars. And the race is for the fastest three-year-old thoroughbred horses at a distance of one and a quarter miles. Uh, the race marks the first of the three races for the elusive Triple Crown, meaning the horse wins the Kentucky Derby, then would go on to win the Preakness Stakes and the Belmont Stakes. There's only been 13 horses in the history that have ever done that, uh, and only two since 1978. Uh, many of the records for the Derby are age-old, so they're not even really worth talking about. Nothing really current. The most current thing going on, though, would be a uh, the trainer, Bob Baffert, he's uh, got the most wins for a trainer in the Derby, and he's still at it. So uh, he's got a horse in this one, so it'll be something to keep an eye on. And uh, one of the other great trainers in the Derby this year is Todd Fletcher, and he's got four of his uh, horses in the Derby this year. Wow. Now. Wow. Kind of a dominant trainer there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. But, uh, yeah, as as Dad said, it's you know this race is this upcoming weekend, May 1st, uh, first day of May. Uh, the race is actually going to be at a weird – time 6 50 p.m eastern time. 6 57 yeah I actually heard yeah post time so right so you know have your tv on right have your have TV. traditional riders up and we'll get going right yeah. right and uh you know it looks like the weather's actually going to be pretty good for right. uh for this yeah. it's not uh 73 degrees not too hot not too cold uh um, not a muddy mess like yeah it has been the last only few like times a, right as of now only like a 10 percent chance of rain so yeah the horses should be able to get out and you know have maybe you know for some potentially fast times out there uh you know with no rain real thick mud out there because this is a, a dirt you know dirt track you know compared to some of the other ones that are you know grass so this is a, a, a dirt race kind of a traditional dirt dirt race um and uh, yeah, about a mile, about a mile and a quarter. Um, one of the longer races, actually, in, in mm-hmm. horse racing. So uh, should be should be interesting. And as far as fans go for this event, I'm hearing somewhere between forty and fifty percent capacity. I, I think I think the grandstands can hold about a hundred and sixty-five thousand or something like that. So you're you're talking forty to fifty percent of that. So about half half of that, you know, seventy seven sixty seventy thousand people. So it's good to see, you know, people, you know, getting back in the stands and, you know, getting getting back to, you know, what we love best. And sure, it, it'll on. be interesting to see what that infield party looks like. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you, back in the day when they could fill it, they pack that place full and oh, it's just yeah. be a big party back in there. Right, right. right. Well, and that, you know, uh, people say, well, is this really a sport? Well, I think it is. I mean, you got some people that are talented, whether it be with their minds or with their physicality, the jockeys, you know, running these horses and stuff, but. If you judge it by the tailgate, it's one of the biggest tailgates in sports. Right. Yeah. 120,000 mint juleps will be consumed. <laughs> yeah. uh, 142,000 hot dogs and 30,000 cookies. If that ain't a tailgate, I don't know what is. Yeah, sounds, and I've been to some like, tailgates. Sounds like a good time to me. Right, <laughs> right. So, like Colt said, it's always the first Saturday in May. It's only not been two different times. 
once was last year because of COVID. They put it off till September. And then back in 1945, during the war, there was a, actually a ban on horse racing. <laughs> so they didn't run it as on the first um, Saturday in May. But uh, there's never been a female jockey to win. Um, the Kentucky Derby had uh, Shelly Riley finish second in 1992. Um, there's only been three fillies win this race. Like Matt said, it's all three-year-olds. So, but there's only been three fillies. And now a little bit as a female horse for yeah. people right. who yeah. don't know. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I grew up with horses. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a little bit of the economics surrounding this race, um, uh, on Derby weekend, the hotel prices go up 500% wow. in that area. Um, the, get out your, get out your wallet. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, right now in the United States, um, Warfront is the uh, hottest stud fee, $250,000 per. So, uh, you know, this is big money, folks. And and um, in years past now, they obviously, they you know, the attendance and the, and the money level was down. Bets were down like 50% last year and probably not going to make it back to where they were prior to COVID this year. But on a normal year, this Kentucky Derby brings $394 million to that area. So, you know, that has a huge economic impact you know, in, in, in the Churchill Downs area. So I'm you know, sure Gronk, Tom Brady, and Edelman will be back at it. They, <laughs> yeah. all, they always show up at the Derby with some yeah, big they'll bets. Be, yeah. They'll be there. Uh like like Matt said, a three or uh, you know, this is a this is a grade one race. So um a grade one race you know, is a purse of a, of at least three hundred thousand dollars. And um another part of a there's a, a lot of different factors, but that's one of the big ones and also uh a government agency has to do the post-race testing to make a grade to be qualified as a grade one race. So, okay. so um, there's only there. We talked about trainers, but then you know there's certain farms that raise these horses too. And mm-hmm. uh, a farm called Calumet Farms has had nine horses bred at Calumet Farms that have won the Derby, and that's leading that's leading the chase there for a, for a farm. So. You know, this is big stuff to these people, and this is big money. These aren't, you know, poor dirt farmers. These play these horses I mean, yeah, live in these barns that these horses. We've toured a couple of these horse farms, and it's better than the house, nicer than the house I live right, in. Right. Well, and so, it's, it's one of those events that only happens once a year. Right, you know, right. so everybody's you know trying to get in on it. It's not. Sure. It's not the NBA where you know they're playing night in, night out. This is Kentucky Derby only happens once a year. So, so. I, do, I do always love it when there's that that one random owner who just took a flyer on a cheap horse and all of a sudden they're doing great. And they come out. I mean, a few times it's happened. Somebody really surprised and won the Derby. Right. 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 Those are always fun when you see that. Sure. I mean, anybody made made his lifetime. Anybody can win it, but there is, there is some tendencies, um, you know, so, and we'll talk about those a little bit. I think when we do our picks too, there's a, a horse that maybe, um, known agenda, um, come coming in was going to be a favorite until they got their post position they got put on the rail and they 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 worry about yeah you think number one would be good because you're running a shorter distance around the track but they they always worry their horse is going to get boxed in on that rail so known agenda dropped um they were maybe a a three to one two to one three to one four to one they dropped all the way to a six to one after uh you know drawing that number one spot so there's there's a lot of uh strategy that goes into this too so yeah yeah, and I think uh, you know another thing, just kind of a random fact here. Uh, Kendrick Carbucci, I, I'm probably butchering the last name, but uh, 
will be your first African-American uh, jockey in the race since right. 2013 and uh, looking to become the first African-American to win it since 1902. So wow. what horse was he riding? I, I, I didn't 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 look that up, which one he's he's on there. But, uh, you know, we'll see what he what he can do. Um, he, I, I know he, he's been racing a long, a long time when I when I looked mm-hmm. on there, he, he's been I don't know, probably. 3,000 some races or so so he's been doing it a long time so you know we'll see what he what he can do so all right well let's uh let's all run down our uh, let's first do our long shot bets let's do our long shot matt well who you got for your long shot all right well my long shot's a a super long shot in this one he's currently at a 50 to 1 odds but uh i'm looking at a it's helium He's actually won his last three races, and uh, in comparable distances with these other horses, he's actually ran faster than any of these horses. So wow. I compared the uh, one and one sixteenth tracks. Um, so he's ran better times there. So we know he's fast. The question is going to be, can he keep the speed up over the longer derby distance? So, mm-hmm. but if he can keep it up, he's got the speed. I, I mean, fifty-one shot. What the heck? Why not? Yeah, yeah. For me, I got uh, my long shot is highly motivated. He's coming in at plus a thousand. So. You bet $100 on him, you're going to win 1000 bucks. Um, but the reason I'm taking him, the number 17 post, which is where Highly Motivated is is starting, um, is 0 for 38 since they've had the starting gate in yeah. ni- since 1930. No wins ever. And uh, it's the only post 1 through 20 that hasn't produced a winner. So for me, I'm taking that he's going to break that this year. <laughs> highly Motivated, going to take, gonna take it here All with right. my long shot. Well... Colton, you and I agree on that one. Like I said, a 10 to 1. So, to me, a long shot has to be any double-digit, you know, odds. Um, he's not really like like Matt's horse, 50 to 1, but he is <laughs> a 10. quite a long, long shot. <laughs> right. He is a 10 to 1 odds, and, you know, Colton kind of ran that down for you as the reason why, and I, I got to agree with him. I, I like highly motivated coming from the middle there, and uh, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. He's going to be highly motivated. To right, break right. That streak. The, uh, the winner actually from last year came out of the 18 post last year. So somewhat, somewhat close. So could, could get, could get there. Um, essential quality is a, is the favorite. He's a two to one right now. Um, and to go back to some stats at 35% of the time, I think is something I found 30. Yeah. 35% of the time, the uh, favorite horses won. So, you know, essential quality, it's hard to bet against him, but, um, I'm not taking essential quality as my as my horse to win. I got Rock Your World at five to one. Um, he just won uh, the Santa Anita Derby, which is a Grade One race. We talked about what a Grade One race is. You know, it's it's they're the premier uh, tracks out there. Um, so I got I got Rock Your World at five to one as your winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I. I'm agreeing with dad. I, I got telepathy, I guess uh, we must be related somehow, but uh, you know, I got rock your world as well. Um, it's kind of a strange fact, but uh, you know, we were talking about kind of the money involved. Um, this horse was purchased for $650,000 back in September, 2019, just making his racing debut at the top of this year, only raced in three, three races so far and has won all three of them, two on the grass and one on the dirt. Doesn't get much better than that. Uh, so he's, you know, perfect three for three so far. We'll see, you know, what he what he can do. Uh, everything I was reading, they knew what he could do on grass. They wanted to see what he could do on dirt. He ran a pretty good, you know, good time on the dirt track. Obviously, it's a little bit longer dirt track in, in, in the Kentucky Derby, so we'll see if he can hold up. He is a little bit of a youngster, you know, not, not too much, you know, racing experience, but uh, 
I like I like the name Rock Your World, but I like I like him to take to take the the roses there at the end too. Right. Matt, who you got? Wow, we're gonna go three for three here. Oh, I'm really? actually picking Rock Your World as well. <laughs> That's your money, baby. <laughs> hey, we didn't we didn't plan this. No, we really didn't. But I, I was looking at this. The, the favorite is Essential Quality, and he's he's going off at two one odds. However, he drew the four the fourteen post, and nobody has won in the fourteen post in the last sixty years. So there's got to be something to that. <laughs> yeah. So I just I, I can't can't bet to that. Yeah. Uh, next best one I I was looking at was that known agenda. Wait, right. Where is Rock Your World? Which which post do you know? Uh, he's actually right next to him. He's oh, in the 15 okay. post. 15, so yeah. why that makes any difference? One spot. I but, don't know either. But you know well, you, you got to go with the numbers. Yeah. So. You know you talked about known agenda drawing that and one other fact I forgot to throw out there. I just uh, run it through my notes, make sure I covered everything, but. We haven't had a winner from the number one spot since 1986. Yeah, but 35 the, years. I will say the crazy thing about the number one spot is, though, over the history of the Derby, it's produced more winners than any other spot on the track. Right. So it's it's been bad recently, right. but the, right. the whole history Overall, of the Derby, yeah. it's actually given more winners. So, right. I mean, no agenda could be right there as well. But yeah, I, I picked Rock Your World with you guys. <laughs> Absolutely, that's crazy. We rocked your world, baby. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's fired up sports, rocking your world. So tune into the Derby on, uh, you know, right there at 6:57, and they'll it'll be on for hours. They do this is this is quite the an all day event. It's an all day event, so it's pretty entertaining. Um, so that's about the end of our show for tonight. I think we decided we're going to come at you live next week on Tuesday night. Um, hopefully we can get Braden back in the studio. It'd be nice to have him back. Um, and uh, We'll uh, check our website or the Facebook page, um, not our website, but our Facebook page. And, um, you know, we'll give you a rundown of the topics for next week. And, uh, Colton, do you want to sign us out? Yeah. So, like Dad said, you know, check us out on Facebook, uh, Fired Up Sports Podcast. If you search for it, you'll find us. Uh, we're also on Instagram, uh, Fired Up uh, underscore podcast, I believe, is our, is our uh, handle there. So, Look us up. You'll you'll find great content. You can listen to all the past episodes yeah. on, on Spotify or however you you know stream your uh, podcast. Yeah. yeah, Spotify, Apple, Google. We just got approved to be on Pandora, so you can listen on there. So anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, you can pretty much find us on yeah, there. If you like us, give us a share too. Yeah, like, yeah. If you like there. us, give us a review. You know, share it with your friends. Share it. Better with your yet, family. give us some money. All right. Yeah, that too. We, we we'll take some donations. But uh, you know, we we appreciate everybody listening, and uh, we uh, will come at you live next week on Tuesday. All right. Thanks, everybody. Good night.